Welcome to the bullpen session. This is Patrick Lillis. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Glad everyone's all right. Excited to share these next couple interviews with you uh, from the Southeast Theater Conference. Today is the first day of conference. Excited to be here in Memphis and see what the conference is like this year because it is last year, obviously, we were not in person. This was we were in person in 2020. It was one of the last in-person events I had in theater. I, I forget if it was end of February or March, but uh, I love this conference. I love it because it is a perfect combination of, you know, educational theater training, connecting artists who are entering into the professional world and then the professional companies here giving opportunities and keynote speakers giving feedback, not only inspiration in their speeches, but giving feedback to designers and and acting auditions and for job and training and uh, and also just great community building it's a really good feeling and i love it and i'm excited to see who is here this year i you know some of the interviews we will be doing uh, in front of an invited live audience anyone who wants to come down and listen to us talk and some of them will be virtual which i think is sort of the I think that's sort of where we are in the world. Like some people are going to be here in person and some will be conferencing virtually. And it's great that they've been able to make that possible for both things to happen. I'm excited for my guest today to kick off the conference is Rowan Haig. And it's funny, I feel like I've known Rowan forever because uh, her dad, Tony, taught at uh, Center College for a long time. He's now a retired professor. And you'll hear her talk about the fact that she used to come to conference when she was a teenager. And now she is a director and divisor and she's on the women in theater committee for the southeast theater conference and she's works with the women's theater festival which is as education and outreach and it's a national organization and i love that we talked about just how that works and supports and connects artists and it's and i was really glad to talk to rowan's actually i had been looking forward to it and and thought I actually might talk to her at the 2020 conference and was so glad to finally catch up and hear the work that she's doing. And you'll get to hear that in the conference. And I think it's also interesting, one of the things I'm looking forward to, and I said in our conversation, is how the concentration and the conversation of the work, I think, for the Women's Committee has always been looking at underrepresented voices in the conference and how to engage them. And now what I'm curious about is, you know, since the national conversation is really focused on making sure that there's a shift in the system is how are we shifting in the training and how are the programs shifting and how are we making sure that the barriers are removed and we're more inclusive. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested and I'm curious and I know it's interesting because before for the pandemic in 2020, SCTC was work, was actively working on that. It was sort of what I felt the theme was of that year. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to people and seeing how that's changed overall for everyone and where their thought process is. And also looking forward just to the energy of it. So I'm glad to be doing that and I'm glad you're listening. And with that, play ball. I started going with my dad when I was in middle school. So yeah, my dad is a now retired um, theater professor, a director, actor. And um, I quote unquote caught the bug early. Um, I think I was just infected in utero. Uh, It was just always something that was part of my life. And, you know, it's like, hey, you're going to a thing. I want to go to a thing. So I tagged along um, and 
enjoyed the energy and and um went to sessions and like said things I had no business saying <laughs> but you well, know people are like who is this like 13 year old what is going on um well I and then I ended up you know going uh about my business as a as a human and um went to a different part of the country um for college and stuff I went out west to Oregon and I didn't really reconnect with SETC um, until I moved back to sort of the Southeast um, in the mid 2000s. Um, so I got involved with Women's Theater Festival in its inaugural year um, when I was in North Carolina. And then I moved away. I, I moved back to Kentucky, which is where I had grown up. Um, and I was like, oh, womp womp, too bad. I really, uh, you know, I was really excited by that company and that group and that community. But, you know, my life took me in a different direction. I'm not in that state anymore. I can't be involved anymore. Okay, too bad. Oh, SETC, let me go check them out. And, um, you know, I started going to convention again and, and getting involved. And then I made the um, wise decision to ask Shannon Robert if she needed help with uh, the Women in Theater Committee. <laughs> And she was like, yeah, you want to run it? It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, careful what you asked for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I got involved with that. And then I kind of came back to the Women's Theater Festival in North Carolina by um, visiting in the summer and bringing a devising project that I was working on. And then I kind of never left. Um, and I uh, kind of came back onto the board and was um, doing, you know, I was just working with them, but from a distance. And it was sort of in that time period that we started saying, hey, yeah, let's get involved with this regional. And, you know, as SCTC is both a regional and a national organization, you know, I'm involved with this Women in Theater Committee. This is the Women's Theater Festival. I like, I think this would be a really good event um, and community for WTF to be involved with. Um, so the then managing director and I came to whatever the last convention would have been in, in Lexington, uh, which I want to say is 2017, 2018. And then um, it just sort of, kind of traded back and forth from there. It's like the Women in Theater Committee grew and the Women's Theater Festival grew. And, um, you know, from the very beginning, one of, one of my intentions with the Women's Theater Festival was to be a meeting place and um, a nexus for people who were interested in and invested in gender parity in theater. Because um, there's this thing that happens where people especially in non like super metro areas have these uh you know they recognize the disparity and they want to do something about it and they are trying to make change in their pocket of the world and very often they feel alone and they feel alienated and isolated and little do they know the next town over someone is interested in the same thing and little do they know, there's a state organization and a regional organization and a national organization they can connect with 
to get help. So it's like, how do we connect these resources? How do we connect these people? How do we provide um, a, a place for people to have these really necessary industry conversations and um, connect that grassroots organizing and kind of national um, movement towards gender parity so that there isn't that feeling of, oh, I'm the only one. Yeah, especially in the, like you said, in the smaller community, non-metro communities, non-urban you know urban settings, it's, it's one of the things the farm does that I know you're aware of because I partner with Center College and um, uh, is reaching those communities. And one of the is, and interestingly, they're, yeah, they have smaller resources, but they're doing the same amount of work. And how do you enlarge that community? And how do you enlarge that conversation? And I'm curious, what do you think, what is the most important or necessary resource for the person who's working when you said that, I thought, right, if you're alone in a community trying to create change and there's a person in your neighbor trying to create change, you know, what do they need? And I'm like, they need to know they're not alone, but how do they help each other? That is one of the questions, I think, um, because do like doing the work, right, in big, bold letters, um, whether the work is simply making art, making theater, um, whether it is prioritizing gender parity or disability access, uh, equity, racial justice, social justice, you know, all of those things that are the work. It is, if you try to do it alone, it's, it can be really exhausting and draining and, you know, you feel like you're just like screaming into the void sometimes. So I do think that having a sense of community, having a sense of, oh, this load is shared, right? This weight is shared. This labor is shared is really essential. And even if there is not a tangible exchange of like goods and services and resources, having that, uh, that sense of community, that sense of I'm not in this alone is like, that's, that's, that's that's brick one um and that's something that is both um one of my favorite teachers had this phrase um complex simple complex like the the simplest things feel the most complex until you get into it and you're like oh this is actually really simple but like figuring out how to make it happen is complex but actually it's really simple um (laughs) I, I, i think this is one of those um oh i said it wrong it's simple complex simple it seems simple. Then you're like, oh, no, this is so complicated. And then you figure out, no, it's actually really simple. You just need to talk to people. You just need to reach out. You, you need to make yourself available. You need to find other people. Um, you need to open the channels, right? You need to open the communication. So that's, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big part of what I do. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it is open the conversation. I was curious, and I, I really want to, at some point I have to ask, what's the specific mission of the Women's Theater Committee at SCTC, mm-hmm. but I also heard you list off, you know, equity, diversity, disability, all the other uh, avenues that we need to make equality and accessibility available. Mm-hmm. Um, and my question, I had a question early on was, was when it was formed, was it mainly gender parity 
or was that always the awareness of all participation? Or did that focus shift, do you think, as the national conversation shifted? Um, that's a great question. Um, so I would say with both, uh, so it's, it's hard here because I'm like double dipping, right? All right, all right. <laughs> so with, with both the Women in Theater Committee and the Women's Theater Festival, um, which is now the National Women's Theater Festival, the founding of those entities came from a very binary gender place of saying, hello, there are women in the world and there are women in theater. And yet the statistics and the life experience show, the, the data show, my friends, that there's a huge disparity between the number of women working and the number of women actually, like the, the number of women who are in the field and the number of women who are actually working. Um, you know, the number of women who are playwrights versus the number of plays by women that get produced. The number of women in the field versus the number of women in leadership positions. You know, roles for women, um, uh, pay for women, right? I mean, like, we all know this information you know, w women make what, like 70 cents on the dollar on average, like it's ridiculous. Like, hello, we are literally half or more than half of the population. Why, why? And if it's happening in this industry, it it's also truly ridiculous because it's clearly the same job. There's, you know, if you're lighting designing and you're lighting designing, it doesn't matter what your gender, what your race, what anything is, you're doing the same job. And mm -hmm. so, yes, yeah. uh, you know, it's I, one of the reasons I was curious about uh, the conversation about the focus and when it started is when the farm started the college collab program, we I made a commitment like the, because the focus at that time was women were not getting produced. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was a commitment that the first five years it was going to be a female playwright. And 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 it was it's interesting because I was also partnering in communities that you were talking about, about non-metro communities, smaller communities, you know, smaller colleges uh, that aren't in Chicago, New York, you know, new place centers, places uh, intentionally, because I wanted to bring that opportunity, but also their student, we were trying to be open for casting and participation so that as many people could participate, but the, the campuses weren't as diverse, right? Mm -hmm. And and I will admit that my, as much as I was working on it, my, my way of addressing equity and diversity inclusion changed during the pandemic, you know, because all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, I can, I can wait for the schools to catch up or I can thrust a playwright of color as the selection and see how they can catch up. You know, mm -hmm. it's still working mm -hmm. with them, so it's valuable to everybody and and whatnot. But but take more of an active leadership role in that, and that's why I was curious if the if the change happened because I think that idea of creating the platform and the committee at, at at the conference. Now I'm talking more than I expected to, um, but I love the Southeast Theater Conference because it is the largest and it is the melding of education and it is the, in the professional world, mm -hmm. and, and I think the best at that. And. I think when you recognize the gender parity, I was like, oh, does this focus then shift or 
And when you were listing all this, it reminded me, and I don't know if it's still the YWCA's goal to end racism, which is interesting because it's the, you know, that was their overall goal. And I thought, it's not the YMCA's goal. So why do the women have to tackle a big issue? <laughs> and- well, and, and I think that that goes back to the fundamental question of equity, right? And that, that's something that we discovered at WTF very early on, you know, even though we gathered and um, came into being around uh, a sense of binary gender equity, it became apparent immediately that if you are advocating and pursuing equity for one group, you have to pursue it for all. Like there's equity is equity is equity, right? It's, it is, there's, <laughs> if you marginalize any group in pursuit of equity for another group, you're working at counter purpose. So it, it is not easy um, and it is messy and it is hard and you make mistakes and uh, best practices change and you constantly have to evolve and respond and I think be really open about that evolution and that learning curve but isn't that better than just doubling down and saying no this is what we're doing <laughs> mm. right yeah I'm curious it's like because that's what I'm I'm curious when I'm coming you know you and I are engaging this conversation right before conference starts. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking as we're reimagining, I hope we're reimagining the industry and the world after this two-year pause um, or change, you know, and I'm wondering not only how we encourage and support change in the industry, but how we're encouraging and supporting change in what we're teaching. You know, mm-hmm. and and I'm, that's what I'm actually one of the one of the things I'm going to keep my eyes open for in conversations I'm having because while at conference, just what are we doing different? You know, and uh, so that it's not an issue of select committees, but that we are altering the work we do. You know, not that it shouldn't mm-hmm. have a committee to do it. I'm not saying that, but I'm like, it should be all of our work, and it starts at a core level. It starts when you're 13 and going to conference, Mm -hmm. you know, and are you seeing opportunities for yourself and are you seeing a world you can be a part of and are you feeling invited and represented and all those other important things, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I certainly think SETC has that in heart and mind every day and it is just, it is just a fact that the execution is hard, right? And, and the, you know, it's, it's interesting how like um, National Women's Theater Festival just came off of um, a big, wonderful, beautiful stage reading festival. And, um, you know, kind of coming off of that and thinking about the, you know, the upcoming convention with, with SETC, when you are running a big event and you are involving a lot of people, and um, trying to serve a lot of people, you're not you're not going to get everything right. You know, you're you're not going to hit every single mark. And um, I was talking with my uh, executive artistic director, Johanna Maynard Edwards at MWTF, 
about um, just some of you know some of the issues that had arisen um, during during our festival, and um, just wishing there was a way we could let people know what it's like to produce a, a big event like that and how hard we work to try to serve everybody and meet everybody's needs and um, you know engage in best practices in every every avenue and and in communication and and all of that stuff and you know whether you're talking about like doing a theater production or an event production or a convention production, right? Um, you're doing it publicly and anything that you do is then seen publicly. And when you are in the midst of being part of the change in the industry that you are working towards and promoting and, and wanting to see, it's, it, it's just, it is, it's hard. And um, I wish we could have more of a conversation about that. You know, I wish there was more give and take in some ways. Um, I, I agree, but let me just unpack that a little bit because I, I agree because what I'm hearing and thinking about is like, you want to share the process of how that went uh, and how things came about, but is the value like, is it also so that there's an awareness of what obstacles came about? Like what, you know, like, yes, this wasn't perfect here's what we tried, here's what we got, you know, okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, we got to try better, but know that, know that these are the barriers to these efforts, <laughs> right? And, and um, we're committed to continue trying, right? And we, like, we hear you, like, we, if something didn't go perfectly, we hear you, we understand that, like, we, we know, <laughs> trust I, us we know <laughs> but i also think the value of talking about what what you what the process because i agree with you and i think the part of the process that's valuable is getting is getting the awareness for like and i said it already the obstacle but where are you where you maybe weren't 100 percent successful and i'm saying because you say oh we hear you and going like right and then being able to hear from involving <laughs> involving the critic uh into the solution. Mm -hmm. I think for all the right reasons and healthy reasons, pay equity is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's vital to address in the theater. However, we also have to address the effort that it takes to make sure that there's the funding and the money to do that, you know, and knowing yeah. that sometimes because we want to do more, it because we want to do more, we might have to do less for a little bit mm -hmm. while we're doing that. And uh, and that I think is true because that's a conversation you want to have because people are expecting, well, you're doing, your mission is to do the right thing. You did the, you did 80% of the right thing. Where's the other 20%? It's like, we're working on it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I know from having kind of been in some of the, governance conversations in SETC uh, that, that, you know, they are working incredibly hard to make changes and, and to be responsive and to shift. And, uh, you know, Susie's, uh, Susie, Susie Porter's leadership in that has just been, I think, exemplary and very receptive and, and um, 
willing to to listen and and shift and adapt and respond. They're amazing. And I, yeah, I, I, it, it is. But but you know, change. It, oh, it's such a catch twenty two because authentic change and sustainable change takes time. And also, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, yo, I've been waiting. Like, I'm ready. Yeah. Um, like, where, where is it? Where is it? Like, just do it. I mean, as, as, you, as you said with, um, you know, choice of script and, and playwrights for particular schools, it's like, well, yeah, what, I, do I wait for the school to be ready? Or do I just say, no, we are, we're making this happen. And I think it's a combination, right? I think it's a dance. I think it's a conversation. Um, and when you are in a conversation, right, you're going to make flubs. You're going to, um, there are going to be missteps. And, and I think it's just so important to, to, you know, whether you are in like the organizer facilitator branch or whether you're in like the attendee participant artist employee branch, you know, whatever it is, you know, understanding and, and, and continuing to have, um, you know, dialogue around how all of that is playing out. Um, I, I have to say, I think that piece is missing sometimes as we're trying, as we're trying to make change. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hope that that can change, um, you know, in whatever organization any yeah. of us are a part of. No, I think that's good. I actually, one of the things I just had a podcast conversation with Anthony Mosley, artistic director of Clabber Action at, in Chicago. And they've been doing EDI work for like 10 years. You know, they were, mm -hmm. that was the sort of social justice theater for since 2012. And one of the things he said that I thought was not only as a commitment to the work and all that, but he said, the only way to actually do this work is to do it on yourself, mm. you know, because, mm -hmm. because you're going to have to shift more than just organizational shift. And it was one thing, you know, it's one sentence he said in passing, but I, it really struck me because I thought, right, that's how it lasts. That's how it works. Yeah. That's, and that's not how it lasts, like programming. It, you're actually trying to create change and it's only going to change if you change, you know, mm -hmm. and because we've all been doing it for a certain way for a certain amount of time. And I also think that I also think the introduction of, you know, it's interesting because we're I'm putting it in a context of like, oh, the national conversation that started after George Floyd that became clearly the national conversation. But the conversations have been going on for a long time. Clearly, they've and before and there was. WTF started, um, you know, before that. And, and for years, you know, the conversation has been going. And I think, yeah, there's the people, people who are left out of the conversation want to change now. And I think what you're, I think it's a really great point. And I think that's one of the things of institutional conversations of going, making sure that everyone is included and invited into that so that it's a process to turn an organization around. It's a process to change a system. And and it wants to happen in a way that gives foundation for permanent change and not just mm -hmm. uh, temporary lip service. Yeah. Yeah. Optical change, you know, and I'm going to back up on something though, get yeah. off this for a second and just talk about, you had said you got into devising work. I'm wondering, I am interested in that because I feel a little like, Oh, I did that in college maybe, but I'm primarily, a, I'm a director writer, but I'm primarily director of sort of a traditional model 
Mm-hmm. I am um, wondering where the devising came from and can you talk about non-hierarchical creation model? <laughs> and can you talk about what that oh, looks like? Oh, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like? Where does that come from? You know, what's that model for you? And Yeah. Oh, so I have, I would have to say that upon reflection, my interest in devising came from not encountering scripted plays that spoke to me. Uh, I have since found a lot of them, right? Um, But as, you know, as somebody in undergrad, at a fairly the program I, I went to for undergrad um, gave me some good foundation, but it was not uh, a particularly cutting edge program. You know, it, it was quite traditional um, and, you know, very, it was very Oscar Brockett, right? It was very um, yes. kind of grounded in that place um <laughs> that's hilarious that's my theater history book in my undergraduate so i know exactly what you mean yeah and it's a great you know it's a great text for what it is but um you know i i graduated from college believing that new work wasn't valid because it had not been proven and it had not been tested and it was not part of the canon and I look at that now, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, that's like, it, it's terrifying to me. And I just, I hadn't been exposed to any, I hadn't, like, I didn't even really know that people were still writing plays. And I come from a theater family. Like I come from people who like live and work in theater. And I still didn't have that awareness. So all of that to say, Uh, When I was in college and had to do different projects and, you know, I I took as many directing courses as as I was allowed to um, because that turned out to be my main interest. Um, The, you you know, I would have to do scenes and projects and stuff. And I never, I could never find anything I really wanted to do. So I would take texts from other disciplines and dramatize them. And, and um, I, I would uh, end up playing with a lot of um, movement and a lot of uh, physical expression. And I actually um, ended up doing a lot of work in the dance department. And uh, for my undergraduate thesis, um, I ended up, I I had always been interested in physical performance. um, And I ended up like narrowing that down to a comparative study of the directorial styles of Anne Bogart, Ariane Mnuchkin, and Joanne Acolytis, all of whom have uh, a grounding in um, original devised physical work. So, um, you know, coming out of that and coming out of that, like, dabbling and, and, and kind of scratching an itch that uh, I didn't even know there was really a name for yet. Probably should have seen a doctor. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I moved to Philadelphia after undergrad um, for an internship with a, a theater company there. And I just kind of f- fell into it. Um, 
I think I, so I went to a, an, in like a, a initial, this keeps happening to me. I went to an initial interest meeting, um, for a, for a all female theater festival in Philadelphia. And we were going around the circle, like saying who we are and like what we were interested in. And I'm, I went in with the intention of saying, Hey, I'm Rowan. I'm a director. I'd love to collaborate with somebody. Um, you know, if anybody's looking for a director for their show and what actually came out of my mouth was, Hey, I'm Rowan. I want to make a show, uh, about, um, like an original device show, using the writing style and content of Carol Meso, the art of Tamara Dillon-Pica, and the um, music of the Dresden Dolls. It was pretty specific. Which I then proceeded to do. And those were all, like, those were things that I was reading and listening to and looking at. And um, my brain obviously like took them and, you know, crunched, crunched them up in my noggin. And um, I seriously, like, obviously I'd been thinking about it in the back of my head, but I had no intention of giving voice to that in that meeting. And somehow that came out of my mouth. Um, And then I was off to the races. Uh, I just, I kept devising and creating new work and and playing with movement and um, kind of hijacking uh, existing out of copyright scripts to do crazy like movement based stuff. <laughs> and then I, I went to I ended up going to grad school a few years later and um, getting even more into that mode and um, creating full scripted productions from a, a devised uh, basis. Can I ask a question about the device? When you're doing that early device work, actually, it's funny. When you make that announcement at that meeting, I think you must get a lot of interest because it sounds so exciting and specific. Yeah, absolutely. And then was it a festival? Was somebody putting work on? Because, you know, it's hard hard to get a play produced, right? You just a script and just to get it produced. The idea of devising, I always wonder, like, do you find that it's like, do you throw your hat over the wall? and get the production date set and then you go to make it or do you go to a workshop and you make it and then you find a home for it? Um, I usually do the former uh, because that is one of the most expedient ways to get people to sign on. You know, it's, it's without, (laughs) without being able to pay people um, it's very difficult to say, Hey, come do this project indefinitely. So, you know, in the absence, you know, at that point uh, in my life of being able to compensate people, uh, it, it was a case of, yes, like, so that particular meeting and, and um, unintentional uh, <laughs> show pitch um, was for a festival. Um, but then I also, you know, I found other places to show that work and, um, you know, other, other groups to show it with and, um, it was not like, I, I will be very honest. It was not good, but it was good for me and it was good for the people who created it. And some moments of it were really interesting. Um, and it was like a, a very necessary part of my development as an artist and as a creator. So and for all of those reasons, it was like completely, like completely golden. I also think it's brilliant to say it wasn't good. I think people need to acknowledge like it's a process to grow and every step is important, but, yeah. but hopefully we're getting better. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. When Um, you went to grad school, did they specialize in that or did you just primarily put your focus on that? 
did you have support for that? Yeah, yeah. So the program I went to was specifically geared towards self-producing independent artists. Um, so whatever your niche was as a self-producing independent artist, you could you know, shape a lot of your study and a lot of your projects around that. And there was a, you know, a shared core curriculum of directing and, and you know, history and theory and, um, you know, different performance traditions and, and stuff like that as well. But a lot of the impetus was creation of new work. Um, so for some people that was playwriting for others of us, it was devising, um, for others, it was performance, um, and like solo performance. Uh, so it, it kind of, it took all kinds. Um, and I just, you know, really gravitated towards, I actually, I gravitated towards both the devising and the, um, I actually got a little bit more into playwriting as well, but, but the way I approached the playwriting process was knowing that as a divisor, I was going to highly collaborate with my initial cast to fine tune the text. I'm going to touch on that with the highly collaborating because I'm going to ask about the hierarchical, non-hierarchical model. My question is, what does it look like in the room? Because I think it is a very, it's a conversation a lot of people are having. Mm -hmm. I think it is about breaking the new model. Mm-hmm. Or old model. It's about breaking an old model of a system of how we think. And, you know, that we're doing better gender parity wise, but it's, but it's obviously an old patriarchal thing of like, there's a dude in the room who sets the course and, you know, yeah. and I think when I read the non-hierarchical and then I looked at your book of intersectional feminist directing uh, and I think, right, what is that? What's that feeling? Because it feels like there's more equality in the room Mm -hmm. and there's more. And I don't know because I think it's useful and I think there's probably a hunger for that of like everybody building something together. But Mm -hmm. is there somebody still on the outside with the outside eye saying that should stay, that goes, Mm -hmm. that's more Mm -hmm. useful? Yeah. So Uh, You know, it's one of those things, language is hard and perhaps non-hierarchical is not the right term Um, because, right, we are, there, there is, um, well, okay, no, I think non-hierarchical is the right term because the idea of a hierarchy, I believe, uh, bakes in a value judgment. It's like if you're at the top of the hierarchy, your opinion and your point of view and your take on things is more valuable than anyone else's. Um, however, that's not to say that there shouldn't be someone with decision-making power there because I think there, there does still need to be that person or that team who is saying, all right, we have these different options. We have these different perspectives. We have these different choices. What combination of choices is going to work the best? Um, And is your experience with that person, that team, are they also inside the creation or are they primarily like a director choreographer eye on the outside, you know, of what's being devised or generated? 
to me, it's both, right? Um, I mean, my my whole understand, my personal understanding of directing is that I need to be um, able to shift between the micro macro, and you know, I'm I'm both inside and outside it. And part of the discipline is being able to like zoom out and see the whole thing. And for me personally, um, also like the whole theatrical experience and the whole audience experience as well. Um, that's a, that's a huge interest of mine as a director is like, how do I, um, craft the whole, like from the moment somebody decides to go see a show, what is their experience? Um, from their ticket buying, from their communication with the theater, from the moment they enter the building or the online venue, you know, however they're engaging with the work, what is, what is that experience? Um, but then I also have to be able to be in the moment with the actors and um, be able to speak with them about what's happening in their interactions, in their relationship, in their inner life. Um, I have to be, I have to be able to, you know, see from the angle, like the angle of the lighting design of the set design of the sound design. And then also, you know, layering those um, together and, and seeing like stages of the picture and the whole picture. Um, so, and that, right, that right there, is why a, I believe a non-hierarchical approach is essential because I'm one person, right? And I need help to do that effectively. I need people who are gonna be able to give their point of view, to challenge me, to say, no, I wanna fight for this choice or have you thought about this or did you remember this? And, in a, you know, if the auteur director is kind of the epitome of the hierarchical model, right, that model is all powerful director with all ideas dictating everything that's going on, that you're just working with pawns and puppets. And yes, they have some individual autonomy to like bring their bring whatever they're bringing but there is everybody's just so siloed and um right and it's it's interesting because i agree i actually one of the things i talk about is the challenge of directing when i teach directing of like knowing when to go in and when to pull out mm -hmm. and also hearing you know it's funny i think i'm inclusive because i'm asking everybody's input all the time about different aspects um but i also think it's good to know to create the room where everybody feels empowered to share their, they don't yeah, necessarily yeah. have to be asked. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's, that's, that's the whole thing, right? Um, what is the environment that you are creating? I was just in a, um, a sort of meetup um, gathering. There's an organization out of Philadelphia called directors gathering. Um, that's really a wonderful, wonderful community. Um, and they do regular um, kind of conversation sessions uh, for, for director members. And um, one of the things that came up in that conversation yesterday was a director um, who said, you know, I, I always go in and I, you know, I tell 
the the cast and the crew that I'm very collaborative and you know that that's that's a, a huge part of of you know how I approach things and it was so funny the last project that I did at the end one of the actors came back to me and was like you weren't lying and she was like no I really am and you know the actor said you know a lot of people say that but then they just steamroll on um and I, I you know I it's the, that, that match between intention and execution is, is really important. And going back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of authentic change, right? As directors, I think we have to remember the um, training and conditioning that our collaborators have probably had which is that, you know, a lot of them have been told to like do their thing and, and don't question it um, to, you know, serve the director, to serve the director's vision, um, to not be a problem. You know, don't, don't, don't be the actor who's a problem because no one will want to work with you again. So we can say, oh, I'm collaborative all day long, but we're also, we also need to um, actually get in there and do the legwork to undo some of that conditioning so that there is the opening and the, the um, engagement with our team to actually have those conversations because it's different, right? And, and that's why something like this book is important um, that's why the practice of breaking down a value-driven hierarchy is important because um, it's not, it's never going to be a one and done thing, right? It is, it, we're talking about an industry change, not just an in the room, like. Right. And an industry uh, and what you're talking, change. you're talking industry and you're talking, I'm going to use the word systemic, but what I mean is mm-hmm. edu- from, from the, introduction into the art form this is the way we behave and it's like well wait this isn't the way we behave this is a choice and we can behave differently and Mm -hmm. yeah it was so funny there was this period and it feels like in the late 90s or maybe early 2000s where there was all this talk about playwrights you know you should only talk to the director and I was like as the director going well that's crazy you're smarter about the play than I am talk to them you know if I need, you know, if you don't have particular language that maybe activates the acting, good, I can help. But you have all the information of the world of the play and what you saw and what you wanted and who these people are and what the culture is. And I want to hear that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and it would be silly to think that I could do that the director, that a third, that an outside party could do that better than the artist in the room. And mm-hmm. And I think that's true about including everyone. Where, where are you with the book? Uh, it's all up here. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those um, love projects that is, it is happening. Um, and, you know, you got to pay the bills and that ain't paying the bills right now. So. <laughs> I went to your website. I, I, I love the buy me a coffee support model. I think, you know, because you're doing this work and you're doing work on the committee of the Women in Theater Committee on SCTC and you're doing devising work and you're doing your own freelance work and you're 
and all of the work seems to benefit a larger community, which, uh, and I thought, right, there's no doing that on a day-to-day -day basis, except for the actual individual projects, that work doesn't get paid. And I thought you articulated that well on the website. It's like, well, if you do this, maybe you want to support my day-to-day -day activity, because that mm -hmm. is an artistry in its own and a necessary advocacy. And and I just like to buy me a coffee, a model on the website. I thought, I hope people are buying you coffee. They do sometimes. Yes, they do. <laughs> and I, but it resonated with me. And I thought, right, right, all this work that impacts others is, like you said, it's not paid. You know, it's the paid becomes the project or, or working <laughs> and, for an and institution. And the community and the, you know, you know, um, you had asked me at, at one point um, in our emailing, you know, like what let you know you could have a career as an artist. Um, and, and for me, um, that's not always a given, right? That's something I actually question. <laughs> you know, basically every week um, because I, you know, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of consistency or stability in like a regular employment. You know, I'm not a salaried employee anywhere. Um, and so there are days when I'm like, I can't do this. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm like, what? Ah, what is happening? Um, how do I keep going? And the thing that always brings me back is the people, right? Um, connecting with other people, being validated by other people, being able to validate other people, um, learning from other people, uh, finding other people who share my values, you know, that every time I'm like almost ready to throw it in, like the universe brings me into contact with someone else, um, who kind of re renews my faith. And, um, th I mean, that is what, what keeps me going and the work that I do daily in terms of advocacy and in terms of outreach and, and, um, trying to make change and, um, be in touch with people you know, that's how I find those people. Right. So it, it, it is, it, there, there, there is an ecosystem there that kind of like <laughs> comes, comes around. Um, but it is, yeah, it, it's, it's rough out there. I'm not going to lie. I like, I like you say, you don't know. I think you did say, you know, it's interesting because I'm going to ask the questions I always send. And, and I think you talked about the moment of clarity of that announcement at that meeting, mm -hmm. like sort of elevated a clarity of devising. And, but I love what you said about the career because it is constantly, I don't think anybody has told me that they feel like they're going to have one. It feels like this. And I think financially, because I wanted to say when you said the thing that resonated with me is, and may speak to my, you know, inner child a little bit about validation, but like mm -hmm. you do need that. That is what feeds us more than anything, I think, is somebody, uh, yes, us validating others, us seeing the growth in others, us seeing the change that maybe came out of the impact, but getting that validation back because it rarely comes in money, you know, mm -hmm. when you want it, you, you want it to, but we, you know, and then one of the conversations, one of the things we talked about is, equity and financial parts of this business is we need to get that 
but I also think the validation of our work is what keeps us going and community keeps us going. What do you think you carry into the room today that maybe when you were starting out, you didn't? Uh, I, I think I carry, I come in with a different emphasis on energy. Um, I used to come in like super high energy and like, yeah, go, go, go. Let's make this happen. Let's be super energetic. And I, I have to be charismatic and, and, you know, amp everybody up, um, which has its place and has its role. Um, but it's hard to listen when you're in that headspace. And I think when I come into the room now, um, I try to come in on a lower key and um, energetically and with intention um, invite other people to bring their energy rather than dictating what the energy is and say, all right, hey, who are you? Hello, um, how are you? Where, are you? where are you coming from? What are you coming in with? And let's build the energy of the space and the intention of this meeting together rather than me trying to set a particular tone right away. And, that, and that's not to say that I don't do the work then of like setting the tone and running the room, but um, I, I really try to meet people where they are first and then move into the work. Yeah, that resonates with me. I think uh, early walking into the room, that idea of charismatic, like almost a sense of needing to sell the project. And you're like, why don't I just come in and we'll build the project? Mm -hmm. it sounds, sounds great. And what advice do you have for anybody who's starting or what advice would you have given yourself starting? I'd reiterate the advice that I think a lot of us get, um, which is, that it, you know, this is an industry built on relationships, and um, you know, you never know. Like when you meet somebody and engage with someone, you never know like what role they're going to play in your in your career and your life later on. Um, so you know, be mindful of that. <laughs> um, but I, I'd like to flip the script on that a little bit, and also say. Um, Yes, this is an industry built on relationships and you don't automatically owe people, right? You're not, auto, you are not less than anybody else. And yes, you sh I, I, I do believe in being cordial and polite and um, respectful and uh, I get... I guess what I'm going to say is not, not every relationship, not every relationship has to be for you. And, you know, I, I just, I think, I think about some of the, um, some of the relationships and some of the, you know, professional um, connections that I tried to pursue. And I, I just did too much. I, I tried, I tried to do everything. I tried to connect with everyone and that burned me out. Right. And I, I think I would have been much better served by stepping back and getting to know what my values were and, and identifying my particular interests and my particular strengths 
and pursuing relationships that spoke to those um, and kind of letting letting other stuff just kind of ride in terms of pursuing, oh, what's the most high profile thing? Oh, what's the, what's the thing that might be the most useful to me? Um, Because what I, what I have come to is resonance with individuals and companies from a place of shared values. And I think that's always going to, that's always going to win out. Like that's eventually where you're going to end up. Um, so if you can start there, you're going to save yourself some time. That was a great conversation. Uh, thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciated the end, that idea of relationships. You know, we all know that building community is most important. That's how you're going to build a career. And as I think about, like, you know, what I was talking in the beginning about how's the conference going to change and what are the what are institutions doing differently? And I think the core thing is relationship. And the other thing that she talked about at the end was, you know, take care of yourself and finding those maintaining every relationship is impossible. Um, you know, it's exhausting and really finding the ones that trust. I feel like saying like I said to her when we were done talking, you know, I met her when she was a teenager. I I believe. Um, but I know that I've known her since the launch of the farm because we had a relationship with Center College and she introduced herself to the farm through that. And, you know, we don't stay in constant contact, but we know each other. And I always want to say that in this industry, you know, we know each other because we're all working in the same field. But you're, what she talked about, about finding those people with your core values, those are the ones to nurture and foster and, and, and put the time into so that you don't get overwhelmed. And I thought that was really good. And there was a lot of other you know, great things we talked about. I also had a, and I liked, we unpacked a little bit afterwards, just the idea of the the challenges that come along with making big changes and the time it takes. And, you know, I just like, she just said a thing, and I don't think it was said on the podcast, that better is better. And, uh, you know, we all are striving, everybody's striving, not we all, meaning me, but you're striving for perfection, but you have to remember that better is better. And as long as you're constantly doing better, it's going in the right direction. That's the goal. So thank you. I'm glad you're listening. I'm excited to share the conversation with the conf- at the conference with you. And, and as always, you know, uh, let me know what you're up to. I look forward to sharing that with our community. Let people know what they should be checking out. I think right now it's more valuable than ever to to not only create work, but to go and see it and, and support it and share in what others are doing. And not only, not only the community, it's funny, I'm like, see your community out, but also support the work. And I think um, that's what I'm looking forward to is walking down the halls and seeing the people and connecting and encouraging and supporting what the work that's being done here and uh, with that we're out we're out